The Source of Truth is an audio recording of Pastor Ronnie Love sharing Christian encouragement and biblical truth. We hope this podcast can help make your path a bit brighter today. Psalms 119.105 says, Thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Good morning. Welcome to this Thursday edition of the Source of Truth podcast. Thanks for joining us as we do study the source of truth, which of course is the Word of God. And we're glad you're with us as we take a few minutes to study God's Word today and to look into this book. We have been going uh, for the last several episodes through the book of Job. Uh, And we've mentioned last couple episodes that uh, our approach, at least for this this current section of Scripture, is different than it used to be usually. Uh, Normally, we will go verse by verse, section by section, dissect and unpack that section and move on. But even like today, if you were to cover our conversation with Job and his third friend Zophar, what you find is you find three more chapters. And uh, well, two of it or a large chunk of it is just Zophar kind of coming at Job and then Job responding back. So again, what we're going to do this morning, a bit of out of the ordinary, but we're going to just highlight. We're going to go to a bit of synopsis. So we would encourage you to read chapters 11 through 14 to get a full extent of all the details of what he's saying, while I just give a bit of a highlight of what we're going to see in these three chapters. So we're looking again, Job's Job's going through some extreme pain. He's lost all of his wealth. He's lost his children, uh, his wife. You can see the pain that she is enduring for obvious reasons. She's lost everything as well. And we look at this and we see that um, we've got Bildad and Elphaz have both already... um, communicated to him, and they were not kind. They, they both on the same routine accusing Job of, of sin. That obviously, there's no reason he would be in this circumstance had it not been for sin. Now, again, we have the benefit of something that none of the people in this scenario had. We, you know, when you look at the first chapter, you look in the first couple chapters and you see the conversations between Satan and God in the throne room of God, and you see God's permission to Satan to do this, you are able to see a conversation. You already know that Job is right. You already know this scenario. So when we look at this, we have to remember these four men, including Job and his wife, were not aware of this. And my guess is may not have gotten aware until they were in heaven themselves. So we'll keep that in context as we glance through these things. And let's find a little bit of what Zophar said now. From what we understand, Zophar more than likely is the youngest of the three of them. We get that with the conclusion of the fact that Zophar was the last one to speak. In the patriarchal society, it would have gone oldest to youngest. Can I also say from my opinion, we can also see it because as he's younger, you can see lack of tact and frankly, lack of wisdom. As of the three men who have spoken to this point, Zophar comes out to be the hardest. In fact, what we see at first is Zophar actually accused Job of babbling on and ridiculing others, saying he actually needed someone to humiliate him and bring him back down to his level. Job 11 verse 1 says, Then Job answered Zophar, Namathite, and said, Should not the multitude of words be answered? Should a man full of talk be justified? Should thy lies make men hold their peace? And when thou mockest, shall no man make thee ashamed? So he starts off with this idea that this is the Job who has advised. We noticed earlier, one of the men mentioned that he was known for the advice he had given. And so now these three men, and it makes you wonder, it makes you wonder if maybe Zophar wasn't one of the men that Job had advised and maybe even confronted. We actually don't know. So that's an assumption. You can't, you can't prove any of that. Either way, Zophar, knowing that Job was one who gave advice, very quick, he's like, you have, you have given a lot of advice. And frankly, where you're at right now is 
the experience, the facts in front of you right now prove that you're not everything you want everybody to believe you are and that God's not on your side and everything you said is wrong. Again, we know that to be inaccurate. We know that that Job has been accurate, Job's been right. But you see him, and again, I don't. I, you can you can assume that maybe Zophar is coming from a bit of a sarcastic point of view or an irritated point of view. We have no proof, so I don't like to state opinions as facts. But it's intriguing how Zophar comes at it. But then it gets worse because Zophar then implies that Job was worthless and stupid. Okay. We can see Zophar never took a class, as one man said, on winning friends and influencing people. He was completely insensitive to Job's situation. In verse 11, he says this, For he knoweth vain men, he seeth wickedness also. He will not then, he will not then consider it. For vain men would be wise, though man be born like a wild ass's colt. Uh, he really gets into this craziness of the incest. He's just extreme on this. Uh, and the key is this. Now, I'm going to take a guess that Zophar's here, and let's just giving a little bit of context and maybe look at this from this point of view. He's heard Elevas talk, and then Job responds. He's heard Bildad talk, Job responds. And, and he's younger, maybe a little less tempered. We're just going to assume this. And so we listen to this. Both these men who are older, who are wiser, have in a level of compassion, while strong, but a level of a little more compassion, have tried to convince Job. Job, obviously, this is God's action to you because of sin. And they're just going off assumptions. That's all they're doing. And you look at this and Job has defended himself in what Zophar, you might assume Zophar saw, as a level of arrogance. Good night, Job. At some point, we everybody here sees it but you. And you're the one in pain. We're not. So what's going on here? You, can you really think that God's doing this because he loves you, because you're right? Uh, who would assume that, right? I mean, the, the conclusion. So he's, he's, you can see a little bit of maybe even frustration from this young man. Then Zophar went as so far as to say that God had actually chosen to overlook some of Job's sins. Here's what he says in verse 6. And that he would show thee the secrets of wisdom, that they are double to that which is. Know therefore that God exacteth of these less than thy iniquity deserveth. He literally says, God has only punished you to the half of what you really deserve. I mean, this is just a picture. We know you're a whole lot worse than you think, and God is being merciful right now. He hasn't even brought on the full amount of punishment you actually deserve. In other words, while Eliphaz and Bildad said Job deserved the suffering he was undergoing, Zophar said you're actually getting less than you deserve. Now, you can look at this and say these three men irritate you. And they came, number one, they came to there. They sat for seven days giving grace, and from the human standpoint, they, had, they came to this conclusion, it just made sense. Again, what they've done is they've come with their view of God. And again, I don't want to criticize too much because they didn't see what's going on in heaven. But the fact is this, they're stating things as ardent, ardent, ardent facts that we know from Scripture are not accurate. So they have come with a preconceived conclusion of God. They've come with the preconceived conclusion of Job and, and the reasons for this. And everything they're doing is based off an assumption. So... Job comes back and he responds. And I find it intriguing that Job comes back with a bit of a level of sarcasm, if you can put it this way, all right? Um, let me make sure I don't skip anything here. I'm sorry, real quick. Um, he starts off with a level of sarcasm with Job 12.1. He says this, Job answered and said, Not, no doubt, but ye are the people, and wisdom shall die with you. Job starts a sarcasm. You have it. You knew everything. 
and you're going to take wisdom to the grave with you, right? I love the sarcasm to an extent, you know, and Job's just getting more and more frustrated. So Job kind of gives a three-point answer. No, I'm sorry, Zophar. Zophar gives a three-point, kind of like a preacher would, an answer. Let's read, starting verse 13. If thou preparest thine heart and stretch out thine hand towards him, towards God, if iniquity be in thine hand, put it far away, and let not wickedness dwell in thy tabernacle. For then thou shalt lift up thy face without spot. Ye thou shalt be steadfast and shall not fear. Now, I won't go into more verses. Simply what he's saying is, if you're willing to acknowledge your sin and set it aside and get right with God, then you will be freed from this. Same thing the other two men said. Again, to full conclusion, Job is obviously the one wrong here. So what is the answer? When you look at this and you think to yourself, none of them knew what was really going on here, but yet Job still gained, retained his integrity. Now, you know that the answer is Job is because Job is, is a godly man. He has lived right. He's not hiding anything. His conscience is clear before God and before these men, no matter what they say, no matter what they believe, he knows the truth and so he can stand strong. So in this case, these men were just whitewashing over the facts with false assumptions about what a terrible sinner Job was. They were worthless healers for sure who had no real prescription to offer him that would ease his pain. Their, their, their memorable sayings were no better than ashes, he says. Verse 12, chapter 13, verse 12, he says this, Your remembrance are like unto ashes, your bodies to bodies of clay. Hold your peace, let me alone, that I may speak, and let come on me what will. Wherefore do I take my flesh in my teeth and put my life in mine hand? Though he slay me, Catch this, though he slay me, yet will I trust in him, but I will maintain my own ways before him. So Job again takes all this time and again reestates his innocence and his integrity uh, to these people. Now, I would say this, okay, first of all, when you're going to be a friend, I said at this beginning, it's better to say nothing than to say something foolish, and that's what these men have done. Two, um, we, they've jumped to a level of judgment. Now, I gotta be careful. Sometimes we jump to the level of grace and someone's just living in sin and we think, well, we're gonna give them grace, no big deal. There's a balance between the two, but there's a difference between public sin that everybody knows and maybe we need to deal with it and a belief of sin that we're just coming to a conclusion, which in itself is judgment. So there's judgment and then there's open, empty-handed indifference to sin. We, we, we should find a biblical balance between the two. But in this case, uh, at some point, you need to stop and just say, you know, I know them. And he, you, I think you're beginning to see a little of people's opinions of Job, things of that nature. Uh, here's the other thing to say. One of the most important things you can do in your Christian life is to know that you're right before God and then can't worry about the opinions of others. Even if they're close, God, in God, some fortunately may not vindicate. Because the point is, again, these men probably didn't find out the truth until heaven. So when you think about it, Job went to his grave holding a position that these men disagreed with. Even And if when he was blessed later in life, they might have assumed, okay, obviously at this point, uh, he finally got right with God. So God may not vindicate you for the position you have, but it doesn't matter as long as you know, as long as you are right before God. And again, not, not you want to believe you are and you want to convince people are, but you are honestly in the eyes of God right then that's what you hold to. May that be the integrity you hold on to. And if you're not, then just do it. Take time to get right with God and allow that peace to come. Thanks again for joining us on this Thursday morning, giving me a chance to be part of your day. I hope it's a help as we study through this. I hope it's an encouragement. And we do appreciate the opportunity uh, just to be a help today. And we hope you'll join us again tomorrow.